Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. All right, y'all ready for the word? Thank you, worship team. Hey guys, Abby got married. Daniel somewhere, there's Daniel right there. They got married a couple weekends ago. And we love you guys. So proud of you. How many of you guys love our worship team? It was a beautiful wedding, too. Um, I was telling our deeper class this last week. I, uh, I love weddings. I've been to a lot of weddings in this last year. A lot. A, a very, almost like a, I've, I've officiated a lot of weddings this, this last year. And um, I've noticed this, um, this thing at wedding receptions. And uh, <laughs> there's some that like, anyways, uh, let me just get it out. Um, you know, the DJ has like a go-to song to get the party started. Everybody joins in. Anybody know what it is? You can just shout it out if you know. The Cupid Shuffle. Thank you. It, I, I, I stood as an observer. Anybody know what the Cupid... I know all of you know what the Cupid Shuffle is because I see you all at weddings. As soon as it comes on, you jump right in. And as soon as it ends, you're like, all right, did my part. Got to go. It's, it's the one dance everybody knows. It's, uh, it's, it's the DJ's favorite song because it makes him feel like he's doing his job really well. I'm joking. That is kind of true, though. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I, I usually um, I'll join in, but I just felt led by the Spirit this last time not to. And I stood back and I watched, um, and it was really amazing. It was like all the people who you know, like they, they don't dance, um, but they know this dance. This makes them feel really good about themselves. Like, I can do this one. Just follow the other 200 people that are doing the same exact thing. And I was kind of, like, convicted a little bit because I was like, there's no creativity in this. Not, and I'm not a dancer, okay, but I'm like, anyways. Um, but it, it really was amazing. I, I encourage you, next time you're at a wedding or a reception, just watch. when the cu- Don't dance when the Cupid shuffled. You've done it enough times. Step back and watch the flood of people that hit the dance floor. And then as soon as it ends, they all disperse. So that's all I got to say. But then, then, then all the real dancers are left, right, doing all the other dances. So, you know. Kudos to you guys who stick it out with all the other stuff. You're the, you're the real champs. And so uh, I also noticed this is that um, there has been those brave people who have taken the Cupid Shuffle to dance and they've made it their own. You know, there's some people who do the Cupid Shuffle and there's some people who do the, they do the Cupid. They, uh, it's like, it's the Cupid Shuffle with, <laughs> is that you, Blake? <laughs> Some people here are offended with me. They're like, don't you, don't you, uh, don't you talk about my Cupid shuffle. And uh, anyways, I bless you. I just, I don't think I can do it anymore. Can't. It's like I've seen the light. I've seen it for what it is. And I can't. I can't partake anymore of that. 
And so, <laughs> amen. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> All right. I'm going to feel really responsible if at the next wedding that happens in our church family and the Cupid shuffle comes on and everybody's scared to get out. They're like, they're kind of looking around like, anyways, I'll probably just have to take one for the team and jump out and lead the, lead the way. So me and Travis, we'll do it. Come on. So somebody go ahead and get married so that we can do the Cupid shuffle. All right. Or not do it. Better yet. So, all right, y'all, you guys ready for the word? Let me pray over the word. Lord, we just thank you that your word is alive and active. I think it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you, Lord, that you have come today to cut away every wrong mindset, to cut away everything, Lord, that doesn't look like heaven, that doesn't look like your original intent for our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you are not confused, that you are um, not unaware, Lord, but that you have a purpose. I thank you that you hold truth. Holy Spirit, come and lead us in all truth today. I thank you that you are bringing people into purpose, that you are bringing them into holiness, that you are bringing them into righteousness. I thank you, Lord, that we were created to be a people that know you intimately. We were, we are a people that, that were, uh, that Lord, when you made humanity, Lord, you put, um, people in the garden, Adam and Eve, to walk with you in the cool of day. And I thank you, Jesus, that your death, burial, and resurrection meant that we can walk with you in the cool of day again. That it meant that we can know you again. That meant that we can hear what you're saying and that we can see what you're seeing and that we can be transformed into your image. And so, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um... I'm spilling my water up here. Um, The last few weeks, we've been really, uh, I feel like we we have been leaning into a word that I felt like the Lord um, spoke for this house, for this community. And I don't know how long we'll just kind of sit here, but I felt like this week we are to continue in that, but that the Lord really wanted to give us some instruction. And so in case you haven't been here the last few weeks or that maybe this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, I, I, want, I want to say this, is that I feel like, um, like it, I know this is what's in my heart, is that more than I want us to just, like I, I love gathering, but more than I want us just to be a people that gather on a Sunday or Wednesday and have our church thing, is I want my, my desire, and I believe it's the Lord's desire, is that you would fully be who he created you to be, that you would know him, <clears throat> that you would know him in your every day, that you would know him in the quiet places of your life, that the same encounters that you have here on a Sunday morning, you'd be having at your home during the week, that God would be doing something in you, transforming your life, that there would be closeness with Jesus And that from that is that everywhere that you go is you are releasing his goodness and love. I believe that's the church. You are, you are the church, not, not the building, not, it's not, it's not a event that happens on a Sunday or during the week. You are the church. It's who you are. And it's amazing because it means that the church is touching lots of places. And I believe that the Lord actually wants us to become effective and touching, yeah, touching the earth. How many of you know that the world is important to the Lord? P- 
people are important to the Lord, that all would know him. That's his heart and his desire. And we have responsibility in that. And I, but I've, I've found this um, just to be true. And um, it's not to be harsh or ugly, but I think it's just true. It's, I believe there are many people who know church. They, they know the event, but they don't know what it's like to really hear the voice of God, to walk with him, to be changed and transformed by him. And that's what he desires for you. He desires that you would live a life. Look, um, when you, we look at creation, when we look at the account of creation, it speaks a lot to God's heart for you. Um, you know, he created Adam and Eve in a place where his heart was, hey, I want to come and walk with you. I want you to know me. I want you to see me. I want to provide for you. I want to co-labor with you. It was a beautiful thing that God brought Adam and said, Adam, I want you to name the animals that I've created. Can you imagine that conversation where God's like, hey, Adam, I created this, but I want you to name it. What, a, what an awesome thing, right? Is that God loves, that, that's still God's heart. The Bible says that God said, let us create man in our own image, right? So you have been created in the image of God. And you might say, well, there's some places that I don't think really look like the Lord. And I'd probably agree. And I'd probably agree for my life too. But I'm saying this is my desire is that I'm getting back to original intent. I'm getting back to what he always designed for me. That's the inheritance that I have because of what Jesus did. Jesus came and he canceled sin and death, right? He came and said, I defeated it. The thing that stood in the way from you becoming like him. From having communion with him, right? It's that, it's that you take on his nature, right? A lot of times we think in terms of physical appearance. The Lord's talking about nature. He's talking about your heart. He's talking about your inner man, that he wants you to think like he thinks. You, you, you get around anybody and you begin having enough conversations, you begin to think like each other. That's why it's, it's important that um, who you're actually coming into agreement with in your life is really important. It is. Is man, there's lots of people I'll listen to you talk, but it doesn't mean I'm agreeing with you. Is that if I, if I hear what you're saying and it sounds like Jesus and it sounds like heaven, I'll agree with that. And we can agree with all kinds of things about things that don't matter, really. But when it comes to the Lord and life and how I see the world, I don't just say yes to what everybody else thinks. I want to labor over that with the Lord. I want his heart and his mind. And that's what our lives are supposed to be. And so I want to, uh, I, ultimately today I want to talk about um, how we are being transformed by the Lord. I want to talk about how do you, what, what is this journey actually about, right? Is this just about trying to be a better person? Is this, is this just about like, hey, on the scale of good and bad, like I, I have found a way to um, make sure that I lean more towards the good? It's not about that. The Bible says that our good deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord. This has to do with transformation. This has to do with Jesus restoring us to the original intent that God always had for humanity. And I can give you scripture, but before I do that, um, I want us to read from the place where we've been the last few weeks. 
And, uh, and so let me read this. It's in Joshua chapter 3, verse 2 through 6. And it says, And it happened at the end of three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from where you are and follow it. However, there shall be a distance between you and it of about 2,000 cubits or 3,000 feet by measurement. Do not come near it so that you may be able to see the ark and know the way you are to go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for his purpose, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders, miracles among you. Joshua said to the priest, take up the ark of the covenant and cross over the river ahead of the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went on ahead of the people. So this is what happened. If you know the story where Moses delivered the people from the children of uh, the children of Israel from Egypt, um, they crossed the Red Sea. They came to um, the wilderness. The Lord, they were heading towards the promised land. The Lord says, I have a inheritance for you, a land that I'm giving you. You will be my people and it's going to be awesome. And they go on this journey through the wilderness and the people just keep on messing up. The Lord, and then there's this story where they go and they scout out the land that the Lord is giving them. And the Lord told them, said, hey, it's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's good. It's great. And so 12 spies go out, right? And they see the land. And guess what? They found a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that was good. But then it says that there were giants in the land and they got scared. And so they came back and 10 of the spies said, hey, look, what God said is true, but you got to can't stand those buts sometimes. Right. Is you have 10 people who basically because of their fear, fear of man, fear of what. Uh, fear that God wouldn't do what he said he was going to do. They had unbelief in their hearts. Um, because of those 10 spies, they, they convinced the whole people that it wasn't possible, even though everything that God said was true, right? And, but there was two others, Joshua and Caleb, who it says were of a different spirit. As they believed the Lord, they said, surely we can take the land. Surely we can take the land. He said it, we can do it, Right? And, um, but because of the people's unbelief, a whole generation of Israelites had to die off so that God could raise up a new generation that would believe him and take the land. And so Joshua, and so in that generation include where Moses did not enter the land. So Joshua, the Lord says, you're going to lead the people just like Moses led the people. And he said, now it's time. So they come and they have to cross the Jordan river to be able to step into the land. And so the command was consecrate yourselves. We've taught if you you can go and listen to the last couple of weeks and you can get more context for this. I talked about that. Um, but the Lord was saying this. I want you to set yourself apart. And that actually took what. Why was he commanding them to do it? it? It was because it actually required them to be able to look at their lives, to seek the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything in my life that doesn't look like you? Is there anything in my life that I've taken on? Is there any ways that I have been living in that aren't your ways? Are there any thoughts that I've embraced that aren't your thoughts? It actually took them seeking the Lord, right? 
And then it says that the ark of the Lord, which was the presence of God, was going to go before them. He said, stay back so you can see the ark because you've never been this way before. And so I feel like for our community for this house is that the Lord is saying that we are about to step into, we are actively stepping into a new season. The Lord will use these moments and these stories throughout the Bible to speak into moments. He'll speak into moments in time to where he's saying, because with the Lord, you'll find this with the Lord is that there are seasons that the Lord operates. There are things that are consistent with the Lord is that I can tell you this. It's not if you are going to come into a wilderness, it's when you're coming into a wilderness in your life. But that wilderness is for victory. There are moments where there's going to be the mountaintop and there's moments where you're going to have the valley. When David was saying in Psalm 23, he said, um, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he knew there are going to be times when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yet I fear no evil for he's with me. Is that there's times in life where we come around where the Lord has purposes and plans and he wants to speak into them and his word always gives us insight into what he wants to do. And so I believe that the Lord is saying from this place in Joshua, he's giving us a picture of what we're stepping into as a body. I believe this, I I, I want to, Um, I I just want to speak into what I believe the Lord is doing in the earth right now. Okay. And, and and I'm asking that you just turn your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, what does this mean for me? Okay. Is about two years ago, I began to read in the book of Malachi. It's the last book in the, the old Testament. And it was this real corrective word from the Lord to the Israelite people. And they were a people who, they were doing, you could, we could say it like this, they were doing church, okay? The, the priests, they were making sacrifices, um, and that day they were, they were doing all the things that made it look like they were kind of doing their job, but, the, but they, in their hearts, they didn't honor the Lord. They did just enough, they did just enough to make it seem like they were being obedient, but their hearts weren't in it. And the Lord begins to correct these different places. And ultimately, what the Lord was looking for, if you go and read in Malachi chapter 3, the Lord begins to talk about the covenant that he made with Levi, which Levi was responsible. It was, he was, the, the generations of Levi were priests. It was a priesthood people. They were the Levites. They ministered to the Lord. They were, they were the ones responsible for uh, making offerings to the Lord, right, on behalf of the people. And so... You, the Bible actually says that you are a priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. In 1 Peter chapter 3, you're a royal priesthood. That's who you are. Is that, but our worship looks a little different than it did then because of Jesus, right? All right, y'all with me? So let me, let me keep going here. So the Lord ultimately says this. He says, what he is looking for was honor and reverence. He said, if he, he was talking about the sacrifices they were making, and he said, if you were to take that sacrifice that you made and you went and brought that to one of the government leaders of your day, would they be happy? And he was just saying this. He's saying, you don't, you don't revere me as king. And he said this. He said, I'm a great king. And so what, and, and then there were some great promises in Malachi, but the Lord was saying this is that I'm giving you the opportunity to be 
um, to turn from this place of apathy and this place where you are just giving the mo- going through the motions. And I want you to come to this place where there is closeness with me and you again. I want you to be able to see me for who I am and honor me for who I am. Why? Does the Lord need honor? No. But he knows this is whatever you honor in your life, you become like that thing. And I believe that we have been in a season, the body of Christ over the last couple of years, where the Lord has given us opportunity to come back to the place where we really honor him and have reverence. Even with the way that we gather, the way that we meet in our homes, the way, the way that we do family, the way that we treat people, I believe that the Lord is saying, does it honor me? He didn't come to give you a rule book and say, this is how to do it. He's saying, in your lives is everything that you do, is it to honor me? Right? And I believe that's the Lord's work in our hearts as we say yes to him. And, but I believe that we are actually, and and I'd say this, within the church, I believe it was this opportunity to be able to come and make his presence and his leadership the focal point of everything we do. I believe that's what he was speaking, and and it's where we're supposed to remain. Now, I believe in this next season, I believe we are about to step into um, evangelism. I believe that we are about to see a great harvest of people who are going to come to the Lord. The unlikely, the people who have been uh, marginalized, the people who have been broken, the, the people who have not known the Lord, we're about to see them come. All right. Yeah, you can give the Lord a hand for that. It is true. But what's happening here in Joshua is this, is that the Lord's saying, if you want to walk out the purposes and the inheritance, if you want to come into that, there's these two things. There's you have to be consecrated. You've got to be set apart. And it's not just a one-time deal. It's you've got to live in that. You've got to live in the thing. And, I, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today. But then he was saying this is that you've got to keep his presence in front of you. You don't know where you're going. Where you're going, you, you haven't been before. You need his leadership. And now, I said all that to say this. is I, I, I want to put some... Um, I guess you could call it... I, I, I want to put some practicality to it, but I want to tell you this, is that sometimes I struggle with the word practicality because the things of the spirit um, are always in conflict with the natural. And spiritual things don't always seem very practical. Prayer, I can tell you this, to the natural mind is not practical. Worship to the natural carnal mind is not practical. Okay? It is, in fact... I don't even know exactly how to teach worship because it's, it's more caught than it is taught. Same thing with prayer. Anything relational with the Lord. I, today, my desire is actually to, to teach you about relationship with the Lord. It's kind of where I'm going. But the truth is it's really hard to teach because it's not a formula. It's not, there is no 10-step program to being in relationship with the Lord. It is, but I will tell you this, I will tell you some things that it requires. And then you have to walk that out. You have to walk that out with him. But I can tell you this, you were made for relationship with the Lord. And you will never know who you really are and what life is really about until you are in intimate relationship with him. It's impossible. 
He, why? It's because he's the creator and you're the created. He's the designer and you're the designed. And until there's relationship there, you are left to just guess and come up with your own opinion. And the Lord doesn't want you. He, and, and here's the deal. God is not distant from you and he is not like, well, I'm going to make it really hard for you to actually know me. He's not like that. He's very good. But the Bible does say that we must come to him and believe that he is God. And then it talks about that we, um, that, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he is a God to be sought out. So one is this, is that you have to recognize him as God. For you to fully recognize him as God, it means that you have to fully recognize, recognize yourself not as God. You have to come to a place where you actually lay down your thoughts about what the design is meant to be so that you can come under full submission of what the designer has said. So it's not just, oh, I came and I, and I said hello to God. No, you come in a way where you realize he is the highest authority, that he is Lord. I love um, Pastor Bill Johnson at Bethel Church. He lost his, his wife last week to, um, to cancer. And three days later, he was preaching probably the most incredible sermon I've ever heard. One of the things he said in this, he said, I'm very, he said, I know that the Lord is my friend. I know God is my friend. But he said that my friendship will always be dependent on his lordship. Is my friendship with him can't go where he first hasn't been recognized as Lord. And the truth is, is that many of us, we want the, we want God to come and as a friend to come and share with us and to come to let us know things. But we still are holding on to what we think and our opinions. And so as the Lord, he's not going to come and submit to your way of thinking. You come and submit to his way of thinking. See, this isn't, this is about you having personal connection with him and him actually transforming your mind, your heart, your everything is that he has free reign. I think in this, we need to learn this in our generation because I believe one of the things, what the enemy has done in this generation is we have a bunch of people that are running around that think they are God. It's just the truth. And maybe some of you in the room are like, not me, I know God. I'm saying this is you better check your heart. Check, check the way you think. Is, is, what, is what you you think, you, you know, and the way you actually live, are they in conflict? And again, I'm not trying to, I'm saying there is such joy in him being fully God and fully Lord in your life. But here's the one thing that we have to remember. He gives you free choice in everything. He gives, he, he will not take that away from you. He's not going to make you. Some of you are like, God, I'm just do this and, and me, and you've been crying out, but you actually haven't bent your knee to him. You actually haven't become bendable. He's already said, this is what I want you to do. And have you done it? And of course, he supplies grace and empowers us to do it. But God gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble who have said, God, you are God. And I'm all yours. That's humility. You want to know what humility is? It's to be fully the Lord's. He's defined me. That's why pride is whenever you're making a way for yourself. Pride is whenever you are defining your purpose and you're defining your personality. Look, 
I love personality tests. I love, I think we have a generation that loves to know about themselves. But whenever I gave myself to him, I submitted my personality to him. That's why sometimes it really bugs me when people, if you said this, I'm not like offended with you, but when people are like, oh, your kid's shy. And I'm like, quit defining my kid. Quit saying over them what the Lord hasn't said. Their personality is submitted to the Lord. That's his responsibility. And and here's the deal. This, I believe that we need this tone in the church again. We need the tone of where it's like, hey, we actually need to draw some lines. A lot of people, I think over the the last maybe five years where we've, we've misdefined what religion is and what a religious spirit is, where we thought that um, drawing lines and we thought that not, not being tolerant for certain things was religion. That's not religion. It depends what the heart looks like. That's a heart issue. Truth is, is whatever God calls holy, that's what I want to believe is holy. And whatever he says is sin, I want to say that's sin. I want to be in agreement with him. I'm not looking to just take on, for the sake of being nice and accepted by people, I'm not looking to take on some ideology. All right. What, what we have to do in the church is that we have to be, yes, we have to be completely submerged in the love of God. But love does not look like just everything goes and no matter what, God just pats you on the back. That's not it. He loves you despite you, always. I can tell you this, I love my children no matter what. It does not mean I'm always pleased with them. My boys, they love to hit each other all the time. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and I love them despite it. But guess what? I'm going to tell them this. We're not going to hit each other. That's not okay. And I think a lot of times in the world what we've done is saying, hey, look, that's you know, just kids being kids. Yeah, that is right. Kids being kids. And they need to be taught how to be men. They need to taught how to have the character of the Lord. I believe that we need people who are operating in godliness and holiness. And not a way, and not legalism, but in love, where it is like I am lovingly showing you your identity and I'm loving, lovingly showing you truth. God is not confused and God is not okay with just saying, God is not in heaven just saying, hey guys, whatever you feel like, it's cool. God is very clear in his word, but he's, he's full of mercy. It's, it's both and he, he loves, he's merciful, he's gracious, but he's holy. So here, here's the part uh, I, I want to do this is there, there are learn for us to, we have to learn how to discern God's heart and his voice. Okay. Um, I think Mr. Wayne would be okay with me sharing this story, but he left me a, a voicemail this week. Is it okay if I share this? Okay. He, um, he called me and said, hey, man, I just feel like I need to tell, remind you of my story. But um, years ago, before Mr. Wayne knew the Lord, he was, I believe he was hunting in the woods, and he had a massive heart attack. And he was laying on the ground, and he said the sweetest voice came to him and said, Wayne, just lay here and die. He said it was the sweetest voice, right? Sweet voice that was like, hey, just lay here and die. And then there was another voice that said, Wayne, get up. 
come on, this isn't it. This isn't the end. Come on. And he knew that that was the, 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 the word of the Lord. He knew that was the Lord's voice. And we know the word of the Lord is that he, he sets before us. He, that Jesus said, I come that you have life and life to the fullest. It's only the enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But isn't it interesting that that sweet voice, that sweet, tender voice was, hey, just lay there and die. And, and I think we have to know, it's why it's important is that the enemy sometimes we think comes with this voice that's like, rawr, you know, like, oh, that's definitely the devil. But, you know, in the garden, the enemy came and he just wanted to reason with them. He came as a friend. He came as like, hey, look, that, that fruit, it's, it's not going to kill you. You're not going to die. You're going to be like God. You're going to know right from wrong. You're going to, and, and, and it, I, don't think, I don't think in that moment that Adam and Eve felt like, oh, we're in danger here. I think the enemy came like, hey, it's all good, right? And, uh, and I think, let me tell you this, every sweet voice in your life is, does, just because a voice is sweet and it makes sense, doesn't mean it's the Lord. So, so what do we do? So maybe we're left with like, well, gosh, how do we know? I can tell you this is that you can know. You, we have a couple of things. Is one, you have his word. Holy Spirit will never contradict the word of God. Now, we need people who faithfully discern the word of God and we need great teachers in the body and we need to be a people who don't just read the Bible for information but we let the Bible read us and the Holy Spirit does that right um, the other thing we have is we, we've been given Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth and you'll find this is that the more you know him the more you know oh he leads me into peace he leads me into truth. You begin to know the fruit of Holy Spirit. Isn't there fruit, right? As you can tell a tree by its fruit is what's producing good fruit. Look, there's many times where I thought I was doing the right thing, but it didn't produce good fruit. And I just had to go and repent and say, Lord, sorry. I, mean, I, I, I listened to the wrong voice. I'm guilty of that. I think we probably all are. And it's okay. He's gracious. But a pure heart says, Lord, I was wrong. Teach me. That's purity. Purity isn't perfection. Purity is being able to say, Lord, I messed up. I need you. I think a, the greatest um, voice of purity is, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I need you. I'm going to stay here. And so let me give you a couple things because um, I, I, for, let, me, let me read a couple of scriptures really quick. Uh, Romans, actually, before we go to Romans, um, if you guys could go put John 17, 3 up, it says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Let me read this to you guys. The idea of knowing, so, so in both those scriptures, it says eternal life is this, to know the Father, right? Everybody say, no. And that's like to know, right? It's not like I'm telling you no. You guys know what I mean. The, the K-N-O-W, that no. Um, 
So he says, eternal life is this, is to know the Father. Isn't it amazing that eternal life wasn't, he wasn't just talking about getting to heaven. He was saying eternal life is to actually know him. That's eternal life. And then he goes on to say that there's going to be these people, we say this scripture a lot, where it says, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, perform miracles, and I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. It's that same word, that same word, it's the same word where he says, um, eternal life is to know the Father, it's the same word where he says, I never knew you, didn't know you. So the idea of knowing in ancient Hebrew thought is similar to our understanding of knowing, but is more personal and intimate. We may say that we know someone, but simply mean we know of his or her existence. But in Hebrew thought, only one can only know someone if they have a personal and intimate relationship with them. In Genesis 18, 19, Elohim says about Abraham, I know him, meaning he has a very close relationship with Abraham. In Genesis 4, 1, it says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, implying a very intimate relationship. So God's desire is that you would intimately know him. I think a lot of times in the body, we settle for knowing information about God instead of actually knowing him. The, the enemy is not scared of what you know about God. The information. He's not scared of you even knowing scripture. He's scared of what you, you, what you intimately, intimately know. Because what you intimately know will transform you. What you intimately know, you have given access to the deep places of your life. Intimacy, into me you see, right? It is, it is, I am wide open. I am known. I am known. That's why if we're even talking about intimacy, intimate relationship with a husband and wife. We know is, we'll just leave it there for intimacy for young years in the room. But... But there can't, there, you, can, you can do an act, but real intimacy is when there's a heart wide open, when I let you see me, where there's no shame in between us. There's no guilt in between us. There's nothing hidden. I'm here. I'm all here. And that's what was God's design was for, for, for intimacy and marriage for man and woman is that there would be an openness, that there would be that, that there would be nothing hidden in between us, that, that this act is only good as the covenant that we have with one another and us living up to that covenant. And so Jesus came and he made covenant because he wanted intimacy, that there's nothing. Jesus made way that there would be nothing in between us. Let me heal the shame. Let me heal the hurt, that there'd be nothing hidden. And many times we want to come to the Lord and we want him to do things in us on our terms. But intimacy says, Lord, I know it's messy. I know it might hurt a little bit, but I need you. I, need, I, I, I want you to see everything. I don't even know what's all there, but I need you to see it all. And so he's, the Lord isn't asking you just to have a Bible reading plan and to come and petition him weekly. He's asking that you would come before him one-on-one, even if it feels a little uncomfortable. Look, any married couples in the room, you know Intimacy at first is a little awkward. Okay, can we just go there? Sometimes it's like, it's, it's awesome, but it, you're kind of figuring things out. But with the Lord, I can tell you this, is that there is, as some of you are like, anyway, I'm just stop. <laughs> you're like, what has gotten into the pastor? Um, 
I, but I, I tell you this is the Lord created that to give us a picture. Okay. Is that we, we are meant to, to know him and be intimate with him. Is that he wants to know your life. He wants to know your heart. Some of us, we think God's not interested, but he's very interested. He's very interested in you being whole. He's interested in the things that have made you who you are today. And, he's, and some of the things that you have just called you is not what he calls you. And it requires intimacy to be able to work those things out. It requires you to be able to lay your heart before him and say, Lord, I don't know why I'm like this, but you know me. Lord, you know me. And I have to first acknowledge that I don't know. I have to first acknowledge, I have to quit letting everything and everybody telling me who I am. And I have to come naked before him. I'm talking about spiritually, okay? I think y'all know that. Just to make it awkward, I had to acknowledge it. But you come before him, you say, Lord, I'm open. There are some of you, you, you've had questions about the Bible and questions about the Lord, and you've let it confuse you and discourage you. And some of you simply need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand, Holy Spirit. I don't understand your word, but I need to sit with you long enough until you teach me. And I need to commit to daily just sitting with you and letting me teach and letting you teach me. I need to daily commit to losing my thing so I can have yours. That's, that's the life that he requires of us. That's, the, that's what he loves is where he's working that out. And what he does in those moments, it's those intimate moments that you're transformed. It won't happen because we held a weekend revival. I'm not saying I love weekend revivals, that's great. I, 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 love, prayer, I love the prayer room, I love prayer meetings. All that is good, it is meant to be, um, it is meant to add to your walk with the Lord, not take away. But I can tell you this, those things alone won't do it. It's in the intimate sitting with the Lord before him. Sometimes letting other people into those spaces too. That's where intimacy is born. I can remember times um, just as a young man that as I was getting to know the Lord, I, didn't, I was not good at reading the Bible, okay? I didn't like reading at all. But I, I did know how to do this. I knew how to come and just sit before the Lord. I knew how to pour out my heart to him. I knew how to not be God. I, I learned that he is good. He's a good leader. And the best thing I'll ever be able to do is to come into this right relationship where he is God and I'm not. Where he's the leader and I'm not. And, I found, and, and to be honest with you, I found that that was the good place in life. I felt like that was the only thing that ended up really making sense in life was just sitting before him and admitting that I knew nothing and I didn't want to know anything but him. That's why Paul said, you know, you, you look at, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, I forget the address. I'll think of it in a second. But when Paul says, he says, there's just this one thing, one thing I want to know. And it's Jesus. It's Christ and him crucified. That's it. He said, everything else I've let go of. He said, one thing I do, I forget what's behind me and I move towards this one thing, this one goal. And it is to know him, to intimately know him. 
So I'm going to sit with him. And I'm constantly letting him cut away my thing so that, I can, so that he can add to me. And all that's left at the end of the day is him. Because some of you need to know that in life, that you will, be faced, you will face the enemy. He does want to deceive you. But the Lord wants to bring you to a place, I believe, where because you have been intimate with the Lord, when you stand before the enemy, he doesn't see you. He sees King Jesus. Because you've been set apart in his presence. You want to know how to be consecrated, how to be set apart? Go sit with him. Go sit with him. Sit until you hear him. Learn to hear him. Because it doesn't happen. Some of you are like, I tried that once. Like, that's a problem. But you stop there. Keep sitting. He is a God worth seeking. He's a God worth seeking. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And seeking, seeking is sitting with him and listening. Asking the questions of your heart. But it's surrender. It's surrender. Surrender is a daily thing. Surrender is a lifestyle with him. It is becoming bendable to him. Amen? So, if you want to know how to walk in your purpose, you want to know how to walk in holiness, how to be consecrated, all those things, it comes as a result of knowing him in the secret place, being intimate. Come and sit with him. Here's my challenge to you. If you're terrible at reading, if you're like, I, don't, I, I can totally um, relate with I'm terrible at reading the Bible. I don't understand it. It's One, it's okay. Because the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in that. He wants to teach you. But I'd encourage you, go sit with him. Go sit with him and begin to, you, you know the places in your heart, begin to lay that out before him. So this week, Make room for that in your life. Make it the most important thing. It has to be the most important thing for us, right? And as you get to know him, you'll understand, like we were talking about earlier, why the woman poured out oil on Jesus. She had an intimate moment with him, and her response was to pour out her life. I'll tell you this. As you become intimate with him, and you begin to encounter mercy in your life, and you begin to encounter grace, your response becomes to pour out your love. I want to end with this scripture. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. If you guys could just put verse 2 up there, unless it's all together. Let me, I'm going to start in verse 2. It says, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Whose eyes? His eyes. That's what I want, is I don't want just a beautiful life. I want it to be beautiful in His eyes. I want at the end of the day, I want to stand before Him one day and Him say, man, that was beautiful. What greater thing is than the creator says, man, the way you responded to me in life, it wasn't perfect, but it was beautiful. You didn't leave anything hidden. You didn't try and get your own opinion. You just came and you submitted everything to me. You didn't, you didn't bury the hurt and pain. You came before me and you laid it bare before me. 
you didn't run. You didn't, you didn't fill your life with things that would just bury it. You came broken before me. Man, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. As you knew me. And it starts with this. It says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? So you've come in contact with God's mercy. If you, whether you know it or not, you are an heir of God's mercy. The mercy of God has touched you and affected you, whether you realize it or not. It says, so it says, what is our proper response? Here is all of our proper response. This is the proper response. Turn to somebody and say, this is the proper response. It says, to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. So the only way that we are transformed is by daily surrendering and being a sacrifice. Amen. So my challenge to you this week, do that. Come every day, say, Lord. Teach me how to be a living sacrifice. Show me what that looks like. Nothing hidden. Why don't you stand with me? I want to pray for you. I believe what the Lord wants to do. Check, check. There it is. I believe what the Lord wants to do is to awaken the cry in our hearts that says, Lord, I want you at the end of my life to be able to say, man, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. A life that, man, I I don't, I I love Jesus, how he, there was just this peace and this ease of life where he was like, man, I don't have to do it all. I just see what the father's doing and I do that. I hear what he's saying and I say that. That speaks to intimacy. Some of you, you need that simple of a life. You've been trying and trying to do all this and figure it out. And Jesus is saying, let me show you this. Let me show you this beautiful life where all that I really want is what pleases his heart. All I really want is what pleases him. Because what pleases him is going to bring delight to my life. If it pleases him, it's going to be pleasing. It's going to be good. The The designer knows. The creator knows. He knows what you were made for. So I want to give you an invitation to submit to that life. Some of you in your own life, the places where you've been lured, you need to repent. And that doesn't, that that just means this, quit. Turn to him being Lord. You don't have to run around in circles and cry. If you feel bad, you can cry, that's great, but turn from it, just stop. I have to tell my kids sometimes, I don't need to, all I need to tell them is just, hey, just stop that, don't do that. Some of you, the Lord's just saying, hey, just don't do that. Just come and do this. And so the place is where he is Lord. So come on, let's just come before him. Jesus, right now, the places where we have resided as Lord and it's ultimately led us to bondage, we turn from that. And Lord, we turn to you as Lord where there's freedom, where there's real freedom. Lord, we we repent for for thinking that we are supposed to be the lords of our lives, that it's our lives to live. Lord, this is all yours. You're God, not us. 
And I thank you, Lord, that you're breaking the back of uh, the spirit of this age that is obsessed with self and that convinces people that it is about self and that it's about doing what you will. And I thank you, Lord, that we're coming into submission to your Lordship where there's peace and joy and true life and that there's purpose. And I thank you for the purity that is being birthed in your people, that it will be the catalyst for this next great harvest that is happening. I thank you that the world longs for purity and that it is gonna be the body that carries purity. And so we just thank you for that. I speak over your people right now where there is sickness, where there is... um, bondage right now. We speak wholeness in Jesus' name. We speak freedom in Jesus' name. Come on, if you need healing in your body, just lift up your hand. Right now, we just declare healing in your body right now. I thank you, Jesus, that that um, that healing is their inheritance. That he, I want you to say this. I want you to say, healing is my inheritance. I thank you, Lord, that you are a miracle working God. So we just even thank you right now that you are healing lives in the room. You're healing bodies. I see the Lord healing mental health, mental mental disease where there has been um, issues, where there has been fogginess, where there has been inability to process. I thank you, Lord, that you are healing minds right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that neuropathways are being created right now in Jesus' name. New neuropathways, new ways of thinking. I thank you that you are the, the designer, that you are the creator, and that you are forming um, new minds right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you are good in all that you do. You're good in all that you do. And we just say yes to you. To worship you, we live. I thank you for all that you're doing. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to, as we're about to leave, I want to, I had a couple things that were really important that I want to share you, but I'm going to, I'm going to share them next Sunday. I want to just talk to you about just some things, specific things the Lord's put on our hearts. But um, in this season where the Lord has us crossing over into what he has for us. I believe there's purpose in it. One of the things that I really feel like we're called to do is, again, it's not just to build a a church here and just have attendance here or just this to be a church family. This is, I believe, to see our region and this city transformed by the love of God. And, um, And one of the things that we felt like was really key to the Lord was downtown Hammond. And every Tuesday morning, we walk downtown. And if you're saying, hey, and we do that from 9, 10 a.m., I know for a lot of people that doesn't work, but I wanna invite you into that. And if you can't make those times, I would say, if, if you can make it work, go and walk downtown.